Welcome to the Queen Player, a lifestyle podcast. Get inspired by our latest tips and information about small business, entrepreneurship, natural hair, travel, food, and even relationships. Stay tuned for another great episode. I am your host, Renee Patrice. Is your brand a little dull? Are you looking to start a brand, to start a business, and you have no idea where to begin? Contact Onyx Queen Media. We provide lifestyle branding and event planning services to businesses who are looking to expand their lifestyle brands. We collaborate with you to challenge your thinking, processes, and approach to your business. Our method is to assist you in coming up with new ideas and products to create brand awareness and to expand your streams of income. Visit www.onyxqueenmedia.com and we'll be able to help you with any questions that you have. That's www.onyxqueenmedia.com. Welcome back, everybody. We have a special guest. This is the new season of The Queen's Lair. This is season 12, episode one. And I have Ms. Amy Orefo Esquire with me. And she is an attorney, music publisher, speaker. Amy, welcome to The Queen's Lair. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, Renee. Yes, we are so excited to have you. I know that, um, you know, when I do have people on the show and, you know, especially uh, women in business, we always want to find out a little bit of background. We want to find out what your specialties are. We're just going to have a conversation about what it is that you do. And we're going to run through some common questions that I usually get from people who contact me or even sometimes my, you know, my clients may send me emails asking me questions as well. But I want my listeners and we have, and just to let you know, Amy, we have listeners in Australia, we have listeners in Mexico, we have listeners from the UK, it has expanded so much. So, you know, to all my listeners, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast once again. Let me just give you a little background on this powerhouse lady that we have on the line. <laughs> okay. Ms. Amy is the owner, CEO, founder, content creator, and influential speaker. Uh, she is dedicated to the out reach and education on legal matters and creative content in the entertainment industry. She is an engaging and motivational speaker who shares a wealth of knowledge on several forums. Okay. So let's get started, Amy. Let's, let's really get down to the meat and potatoes of this, because this is something that I get questions on all the time. Um, one of the main things is when people are starting a business, this podcast really speaks to entrepreneurs of every walk of life. But one thing that people always ask is, well, should it be an LLC? Should it be a sole proprietor? Like, what is the difference between, like, what are the major entities that you can choose when you're starting a business? And give us like some examples of, how do you choose? Like, how do you know which one to choose? Okay, so we'll start with the sole proprietorship. 
A sole proprietorship is not actually a legal entity. So a lot of times when someone wakes up, they have a vision, they have a dream, they have a goal. They say, I'm going to go out and be a consultant in fashion. So then they just start because they have a gift to style. They start styling, but they have not gone to their respective secretary of state in the state where they live to file an entity. That is a sole proprietorship. So someone is offering a service or product and they have not created or taken the steps to create a legal entity. So um, you will hear that phrase. So when people are sole proprietors, know that there's no legal protection. So the next um, phase we're going through are the actual entities that are in place. So there's called a limited liability company, we refer to as an LLC. Um, so a limited liability company, um, someone will go to the respective secretary of state in Georgia, for example, we go in Georgia and we will file an LLC. So it could be a single member LLC with one person or multi-member LLC. The first entity where um, someone could look at you when they, they are establishing an entity and um, taking the steps to have legal protection is called a limited liability company or also referred to as an LLC. So an individual will go out and render a service um, or offer a product and they want it to be protected so they will go file a limited liability company and they will file it with the Secretary of State and there are members and managers um, that consist of the LLC. So a manager operates and handles you know the key decisions within the LLC and the members are members of the LLC but um, they don't always have the power of control to you know um, make authoritative decisions on behalf of the LLC so that's one entity the second one is called a limited partnership or a limited liability partnership which fall in the partnership and that consists of a general partner and a limited partner so a general partner um, it's similar to what a manager is in an LLC, only it's a, in a limited partnership. The general manager is um, has the authority to bind um, the partnership and contracts and to make decisions on behalf of the company. And the limited partner, depending on what is within the partnership agreement, may or may not have those types of authorities. And then there's an incorporation. Um, so you'll often hear two types, the S-Corp and the C-Corp. And S-Corp is um, an entity where it's called pass-through taxation. So as an owner, for example, my company, Amy Rafo PC, is an S-Corp. And it's pass-through taxation, meaning that any profits or losses I have as a business can flow through to my personal taxes and um, for when I'm filing taxes on my return each year. And then there's a C-Corp, which you'll hear companies such as Coca-Cola and larger companies are C-Corps. And then those are double taxation. So the shareholders of the, that company and then the actual company is taxed. So those are just ways to, um, of, of different methods of protection. So I often tell people the sole proprietorship is someone rendering a service, but there's no legal protection. But the way to get legal protection is to go to the secretary of state of your respective state or jurisdiction and file the limited liability company file a limited partnership or limited liability partnership or to file an incorporation to make sure there's protection and someone will not, you know, God forbid, in the event of a lawsuit, um, come, be able to come for personal and business assets. You want to limit where they can, um, you know, file any kind of lawsuit potentially. So the sole proprietor, and I see so many people with the sole proprietor um, mm -hmm. just go on. And I think people are confusing that between that and like an LLC. Absolutely. I, I think that's where I'm saying. I, for some reason, I really believe, and, and you're saying that you see that too. I think I've seen that quite a bit. So this is really, really helpful. For the folks that are listening, 
um, you guys take heed of this, you know, and if you're, you know, swimming around this sole proprietorship, you may want to look into, is the LLC the most common for like a small business just starting out? Yes, it is. It is the most common. You'll often hear people say, okay, listen, I want to do an LLC because it's the easiest as far as, you know, paperwork and filing and then even maintenance of the paperwork, um, of paperwork that's required. So, yes, it's the most common structure you will hear for new business owners establishing a company. Okay. All right. So now that we have all of that, what are the beginning steps when you say, okay, I have this amazing product or this amazing idea? What Give us like three tips, maybe three to five tips of what should be the beginning steps to starting a business? Like literally, what is the first thing? Like I have this product. People have been telling me it's great. I now want to put it out of the market. What do I do? Absolutely. The first step is when people like put pen to paper, write out the vision, the goal, the service, the product, whatever you're offering to make sure that it's something you stand behind, you're intentional about, and you're going to offer um, and become an expert or create a niche in whatever you're doing. So that's first and foremost. Once you have that out, you confidently stand behind that plan, file an entity. Definitely. This is perfect that we were talking about establishing an entity and a sole proprietorship just means you know somebody said oh I have a great business idea and I want to go out in commerce and they just start rendering the service they just start baking cupcakes they start um, being a bartender but they set up no entity so then that's a sole proprietorship but no actually take the steps to go to the secretary of state and file one of those respective entities an LLC LLP or an incorporation that's definitely um, the, the second step so first step Write down some kind of plan or goal. Make sure you get it out of your head and onto paper to know that this is the service I want to offer in commerce. Second step would be establish entity, file it with the Secretary of State. Third step will be protect your intellectual property. Um, a lot of people say, oh, you know, I have to, I've come up with great ideas and I, they'll talk to people about it, but you run the risk of someone taking your great ideas. So filing intellectual property, filing copyright for those um, expression of ideas. If you're writing a script, if you're writing a book, if you're writing a song, you want to protect that with United States Copyright Office and that's www.copyright.gov and that's C-O-P-Y r-i-g-h-t dot gov and then that is in place the u.s copyright office is in place for you to file a copyright they'll be recognized so if someone else says no i own the copyright to that script you're like no you don't because i filed it um a year ago or whatever the case is. <laughs> exactly because that happens quite a bit right so um and then there's also the trademark side so the united states patent and trademark office so think about trademarks as a source identifier, a brand, a name. So when I hear a company name, when I hear Chick-fil-A, what do I think about, right? When I hear Coca-Cola, what do I think about? They were trademarked their respective names. So you file a trademark at the United States Patent and Trademark Office, and that website is www.uspto.gov. And then that is how you will go and file a trademark for your respective company name, your production company, um, the brand, um, the name of a product that you're offering, your t-shirt line, whatever the case may be. You will go file the trademark, the actual name of the brand with the Patent and Trademark Office. Gotcha. So now, how do we know, I think a lot of people also 
they mis- they mix up the two, copyright and mm-hmm. trademark. What can you copyright and what can you trademark? Can you trademark I'm- your name? Can you copyright your name? Like, what are what are the major differences of what you can trademark and what you can copyright? That's an excellent question. So you think the easiest way to think of a trademark is you would trademark a name or a, a source identifier or a brand. So like I gave the example of Chick-fil-A or Coca-Cola before, those are names, right? You're not talking about the services they offer under there. You're just talking about the name. So you're trademarking the name. And obviously you have to protect what's called the class of goods or services. And in the United States, there are 45 classes of goods and services that are recognized at the federal level. But then when the application is filed, then you can get into the specifics of which classes are being protected, whether it's, you know, fast food chain, um, it's, you know, merchandise, different categories that are there to be filed, entertainment and education services. So think of trademarks as a brand name, a name. So when you see a name, that's a trademark. So when you see a copyright, Um, a copyright application, think about um, the expression of an idea. So you and I are talking and let's say we came up with a song or we came up with a poem. So it's not a name, but we came up with the lyrics of the song or the words to the poem, our expression of an idea that we put down pen to paper, you would copyright that expression of an idea. So within your expression of an idea, yes, there's a title to a poem. Yes, there's a title to the song. So you're copywriting that body of work as a whole. Does that make sense? So copywriting the body of work while you're trademarking the name as a source identifier. Does that provide clarity? No, yeah, that, that clarifies yes. it well. One thing that I've seen a lot of, of course, with, you know, with you having a music background in there, is that really like a big source of contention? I mean, we've seen things in the news where people have come for, you know, other artists that have infringed on their copyright. Isn't it hard to really get down to the expression of an idea? Because when you really think about it, an idea, no idea is really original. So how does that, how does that work? Like for you as an attorney, how does that how do you differentiate that? How do you know if somebody really has a case? Like if somebody has, you know, taken, you know, an idea. That's, that is a fantastic question. So uh, it really, that's why it's really important for people to use these laws that we have in place and file any copyright that they create with the copyright office, because it often boils down to that point, Renee. They're going to say, well, listen, you know, in, in the event of, um, uh, an issue or um, a contentious matter. Sometimes with using music, if there's, you know, timestamp, uh, you know, uh, there's timestamp products and services that show, okay, when a song was created, there's something called pro tools and different types of tools that are used. However, that's a common law copyright. You want to have both a common law copyright and what's called a statutory copyright, which means you went to the respective entity, which is the copyright office, to go file your song as a composition, the lyrics of a song. And then once it's in this final format, you will file what's called a sound recording, where you would hear referred to as a master, which is the final mm-hmm. song that we hear on the radio, that you hear on albums, and now everything's downloaded and streaming that the song that you purchased on an Apple music, for example. So that is the final sound recording, but you want to protect it at both levels if you own it. So when somebody's coming in as an independent um, artist, they generally have established their own 
label, right? They have to do it themselves and they have to be their own label publisher and everything. So they own their masters, they own everything. So then they would go out and they would file a copyright for both the lyrics of the song they created as a songwriter and then they would file it as a sound recording of the masters because they own 100% of their masters. So then if they hear the song on the radio and they knew nobody else helped them but the producer that recorded it and they filed mm-hmm. it as a copyright, there's a high probability that there's infringement there. So that's a pretty strong case versus someone who said, I created this song two years ago and then they didn't follow it, the copyright or they didn't take the copyright office or they didn't take the necessary measures to protect and show that they created that. It's really, really hard to prove. So then it makes it difficult for attorneys to dig and even take a case when they're like, you know, I don't want to, you know, waste your money and spend quite a bit of money in attorney's fees for a case they may show that you don't own it because someone else went and took the added measure and actually stole that copyright from you. So that's the unfortunate part that happens that you often hear yeah. of these cases. Somebody did write the song, they just can't prove it. And that's unfortunate. Wow. Wow. Because I, I definitely see a lot of this, especially with new media, when you're talking about YouTube and all this sort of mm-hmm. stuff. And when people are using music in the background of things, it's not yes. uh, no non-royalty-free music, you know, that kind of stuff. So now, that tag, like, is, and I'm sure you have dealt with this, where if you get flagged on YouTube or you get flagged on Facebook, and I know Instagram has been cracking down as well. If you have music yes. in the background of a video, um, it, it'll say, like, BMG Music has identified mm-hmm. a tag or something. Is it something electronic that they're putting into the the music file itself that that kind of throws over to the record labels to let them know or whoever the entity is to let them know that oh this is because it's a stream and a stream is yeah. money you know for artists yeah. absolutely that is an excellent question Renee so yes it could be what's called metadata that's in there that you know mm-hmm. the world that we're in such yeah. a world of technology where everything yes so it could be metadata or it could be literally within publishing departments and record labels, it is somebody's job to enforce copyright. So there's like, you know, there's a department where people are actually like trolling on the internet and trolling on these respective platforms to see if there's infringement. So physical people are doing it sometimes and then sometimes it can be technology, so twofold. But either way, these brands of these, these this intellectual property is sitting on, um, you know, they're money makers, so they're not just gonna let anybody use it. So I often tell people the rule of thumb is ask for permission. Because think yeah. about it, let's use the analogy in the sandbox when we were kids. If somebody mm-hmm. wanted to play with you, say, can I play with you versus come in to take the shovel from you. Right. It's a different type of interaction you're gonna have. All you have to do is ask for permission and we'll be willing to share. But when you took it without asking, it's not the most friendly environment at that point. Mm-hmm. So that's literally mm-hmm. what it is. Just ask. Like, if you wrote a song, you wouldn't want anybody coming to take it. So you're going to ask, and that's what the whole clearance and licensing process is in place for, for um, the for the content creator or the copyright owner to be able to monetize this creation, this body of work that they created, and then for the person that wants to use it to pay a licensing fee or a flat fee to use it. So that that's how commerce is created in, in music mm-hmm. and content creation. Yeah, and I know this. This is this is Apple. This is iTunes. This is Spotify. Mm-hmm. This is you know. This is people yeah. who read them. You know. So yeah, that's uh, you always see these these you know. It always amazes me that these large artists. It's like, did you not think that that I know what? <laughs> 
I know. Oh, sometimes see, there there are a couple of exceptions. There are a couple. Yep, it, it, it's funny. It's hilarious. There are a couple of exceptions called fair use exceptions, right? So if someone uses it for a parody, for educational purposes. Like if I'm teaching a seminar, I'm not trying to monetize it. I'm just using an example of you know maybe a song or a company, um, and then I'll okay. use it there for educational purposes. Then, okay. then generally speaking, the, some people are hard pressed on their brand. They still might not want it to be used, but they generally let that slide. It's just when people are trying to monetize off something, you can understand why somebody would get mad. They're like, if you're trying to make money, why do you think I like I too want to make money, especially if it's something I created. So it's just about being you know okay. courteous, yeah, exactly, and asking for the permission. And oftentimes people, you know, if you were able to agree on the licensing terms and the fee for usage, then everybody's happy. They leave happy. And everybody's fine. And I find it so much easier. And I've got like there's background music and stuff that I use for so many different things. Like if I've mm-hmm. heard something, you know, especially an indie artist, I'm a huge, huge, huge supporter of indie artists and all this. And mm-hmm. like contact them, they're just so happy that yes. somebody even use their music for something like they just absolutely love it so people stop jacking other people's stuff <laughs> make this me absolutely artists larger artists like you know if you got your podcast or your you know youtube page or whatever like i find that a lot of them are not it, it's when they do it without asking now here's a question it. i have i don't know if you'll know the answer but in YouTube, I know that people think that they could just play a little piece of a song or just a little snippet of a song, you know, from a major artist or whatever, and, you know, it's going to be fine. What is it? Do you know anything about YouTube or even Facebook or, you know, where we could get more information about that? Like, is it really true that you could play 30 seconds of the music and then you won't be, you know, subject to, like, a copyright strike? I tell people, once again, err on the side of caution. If you are mm-hmm. using even a second of someone's music, it is not your music. It, you did not create it. Ask for permission. Because yeah. more than, often than not, it just creates um, a, a greater dynamic to do business later. But once again, if somebody takes even five seconds of the song, one may think, oh, that's irrelevant, but you use five seconds of someone else's song, right? It, it, yeah. That may help someone's career go through the roof. Right. And then it's five seconds of a song. So I tell people err on the side of caution, regardless of the platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, just ask, because oftentimes it opens the lines of communication. The license fee may be higher than you budgeted. But guess what you just did when you reached out to that department? That's a new contact you have. So when you do have the budget in place, you can reach out to their licensing department, the sync department about, you know, use of the song or respective catalog. So just think of it as a benefit. You're creating a bigger network, but always ask. I tell people, err on the side of caution and ask. They may say that's overkill, but what you don't want is a cease and desist letter from any of these respective companies because it puts a very bad taste in their mouth and they remember who is infringed on respective work. Yeah, and you don't want to be remembered for a cease and desist because I've had to send out a few myself. So, exactly. Somebody's <laughs> list where your lawyer has to send out a cease and desist, and then you and then you stick out for the wrong reason. Exactly. Now, as as a potential collab down the road, exactly. because because if you introduce yourself and say, "Oh, we'd love to use your music," you know, our YouTube page, you know, they're going to go to the YouTube page and maybe they see something they like and they want to collab with you. But then that's now it. you introduce exactly. yourself. 
a whole bad way, you know, yeah, that I totally get that. Totally get that. Well, thank you for giving us the rundown on the basics of the business and the LLCs and all these things are like so confusing because I'm telling you, I'll, I get this question on the regular. So thank you so much for that. Now we want to learn a little bit more about you. So we had some questions. You guys know that I always um, send questions to my guests and everything. And tell us some of your hobbies, like the things that you like to do when you are not at work. When work shuts off, I know that's very hard for attorneys to shut off, but <laughs> when you do shut off and disconnect, what are some of the things that you love to do? I love to travel. I'm a world traveler, so like literally, I, I like to tell people I collect experiences. So I make it a point uh -huh. of duty to leave the country at least four times a year to go to a new place Ooh. to see. Yeah, it's it's, it's a been goal. A That's a goal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we get so busy, especially in the states. Just the the, the way our scheduling, just the, the demand. It's it's very important to find um, your um, re reprieve to, to find a release, to find a place where you can just get away. So I like to, you know, I've, this country offers amazing cities and beautiful scenery, but I often like to leave because this is a big world we live in. I know it sounds funny, but literally there's so many places on earth to go to. So that has been something in the last few years that I've done at least four times a year to leave the country. Um, it helps you recharge and regroup and puts perspective on life. It's, it's bigger than America. It's bigger than the respective um, geographic area that you live in. And then I love, I'm blessed to, um, you know, as an entertainment attorney um, to be pursuing my passion. So legitimately, like, I am getting to go to places that I would go for free. So, like, live performances, sporting events, like, I would, like, do that. I would pay money to do it, but I happen to represent people in that space. So I actually love to go to that stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful, very blessed every time I have an opportunity to go see a client perform at their respective show to do a live performance. Or I'm a big, I'm from North Carolina originally, so I'm a huge, um, specifically a huge basketball fan, but I love sports in general, yeah. but a massive basketball fan. Um, went to UNC Chapel Hill undergrad, so uh, tried and true Tar Heel. So I love oh, basketball with that, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so just those are like, so traveling, going to live performances and sporting events, I absolutely love. That's always great. Music is definitely, um, music was my first love for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I grew up singing for years. My father sang probably since he was six or seven oh, and he requires an adult until his passing last year. My mom's voice is mm. beautiful, you know. So music yeah. is a huge thing. You know, I've represented some music artists over the years as well. And that, nothing like a live performance. You know, it's something nothing to like it. their album, but the, when they bring out the live instruments and, you know, acoustics and, you know, all of that, I just think it's so phenomenal when you can perform live and it's yeah. not, oh, you you know, doing a, a lip syncing and all that. It, it's just a, it's an art form that is just, I don't think a lot of people appreciate as, you know, as much as, you know, lip syncing and jumping and dancing around. I just love when they exactly. just get on a little seat up there with a little spotlight, if they if they play the piano or if they play the guitar or whatever, or if they're just at the mic singing. I think it's amazing. That's it. That's, that's amazing. a gift. Yeah. It's truly a gift. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Well, tell me, tell me what has been your most 
satisfying moment like in in business was there like a milestone thing that happened within your business or like give me like your most satisfying moment within you being an entrepreneur I find my most satisfying moments are often when I'm able to um you know grow with my clients um as, as we've been growing together some clients I've been representing from the beginning and you know you see the struggle and as no one likes to hear it but it's true struggle builds character right and then you start to see some of the, the success that comes with it so that's always humbling um, to be a part of that process and then also um, to have the platform when I do speaking engagements and um, whether it's small or larger crowds just to educate and empower and to watch the light bulb go off when you talk about mm-hmm. something like intellectual property that somebody's like mm-hmm. oh I thought it was more complex than that you know but when you're able to break yeah. it down and say no it's these thoughts that are in between your ears you know God gave us the ability to like think freely and be creative we're all creative some just use that more than others and then it's just creating to let people know that you know, you're a walking asset. What what's in, in your brain? Just you know, to explain the differences between you know, a copyright, a patent, a trademark, a trade secret, and for that light bulb to go off uh, in people's minds, and for them to um, you know, have to fire to want to protect and grow their brand. That's often the most gratifying experience. Anytime I you know speak to whether it's folks at a university, a conference, any platform. Wow. Yeah, I definitely. I definitely get that, and I understand that when when you said the expression you use when the light bulb goes off, like when you're speaking, you know, speaking to you know entrepreneurs and especially female entrepreneurs, and sometimes you don't always know if you're connecting, you know, when you're speaking, depending on how, especially if it's a larger crowd and it's kind of hard to pinpoint faces, you know, and it's a larger crowd, but when you see that person that just says, oh, and they yes. see my notes or, you know, like whip out their, you know, little notepad or whatever, and like, oh yes. my goodness, you know, yes. when they come up to you afterwards and say, you know what, right. I you said about ABC, whatever, oh my goodness, yes. that's so you know, but so definitely have to that's that's amazing. That is amazing. Do it. <laughs> give us give us the rundown. Like tell us what projects you have coming up, anything that we should look out for, where we can find you, how can people contact you. Tell us what projects you have coming and tell us where we can find you. Perfect. So um right now I've been developing you know, some e-courses, just like I said, I'm passionate about education and empowerment. So just using a platform, um, both on social media and then also creating e-courses to talk about, you know, establishing a business entity, for example, and intellectual property rights, just so people will have some nuggets to know that, you know, um, it's not a far grasp for them. You know, anybody can start a business. It's not for the faint of heart, but it is possible, not impossible. So just letting people know that and hopefully having the necessary tools um, to invest in themselves, first of all, and then to be educated, you know, even at a basic level to know, you know, the difference between a limited liability company, um, a limited liability partnership and incorporation, just knowing who to build um, uh, as mentors on the team, to have a CPA, to have an attorney, to have, you know, a financial advisor when you get to that point in your career, just educating people on being effective entrepreneurs. Um, So those those e-courses are a place for and even my social media platform and as far as social media my handle is the same across the board is at Amy O said so and that's on Instagram and Twitter and I'll often you know shoot out you know inspirational quotes I'll shoot out insight about 
entrepreneurship in the entertainment industry. Um, and you'll just see different content across the board there for me. And on Facebook, you can find me at Amy Arepo. My last name spelled O-R-A-E-F as in Frank O. So Amy Arepo PC, both on LinkedIn and then on um Facebook as well if you can find me under Amy Arefo and um, I just like I said I'm just grateful to have a platform where I'm doing what I love and just to help educate and empower entrepreneurs the point is not to hide the ball it's to help empower them so that we can create more entrepreneurs because that's what it's all about it anyway absolutely absolutely I, I thank you so much for giving us this insight it's actually I learned some things myself which is always a good thing so thank you so much for agreeing to do this and to talk about this. And we will definitely, you know, share your information out there. And um, thank you so much, Amy. Thank you so much for your insight. This is very, very helpful. And I know any feedback that I get or any emails or anything that I get for people that are going to ask further questions, I will definitely, you know, shoot that stuff over to you so that, you know, maybe it can turn into some business, you know, you never know. So I thank you. I appreciate that, Renee. Okay, all right. You guys, again, once again, thank you so much for tuning in. This is episode one of the new season, season 12, episode one, when we were speaking with the wonderful Amy Arefo, Esquire. I love the Esquire on the end. I have to give her a pop. You guys, thank you so much. If you want to find me online, you know how to find me. It's at Onyx Queen Media. It, that's across the board on everything. If you want to email me, please email me at info at onyxqueenmedia.com and we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. <laughs>